We are in uh, the second to last week of our series, Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And the reason why we entitled this, Things I Wish Jesus Never Said, is because there's some things I wish Jesus never said. Thank you very much. So, uh, I mean, some things like, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Like maybe six or seven? And Jesus says, you just need to always forgive. Really? Always? Or, you know what? Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And one of the things we've been talking about is most of us, we don't even pray for our friends, much less for our enemies, right? I mean, that's just a little crazy, right? I mean, he's just said some really strange things. I mean, one of the things he said on divorce and remarriage, it was so strong and so difficult to hear that when he got finished saying it, everybody who heard his teaching said, then it's better not to get married. And Jesus just kind of, yep, you're right, and kind of walked off and dropped the mic. Today, we're going to be looking in John chapter 6, and I'm really looking forward to that. I know we have all of our children and in here today, and quick question, how many of you guys like vampires? Let me hear you. All right, some of y'all, there's like three of y'all, okay. So, and somebody who really needs to get a drink of water down there, I'm just saying. Um, okay, how many, okay, how many of y'all remember vampires before they were sparkly? Right? Before Twilight, before Edward Cullen, okay. I mean, I remember Lost Boys, and I remember like uh, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise as vampires, right? I mean, it was just, uh, I, I remember those. How many of y'all, you were like, okay, I'm not a vampire person, I'm a zombie person, let me hear you. Uh, <laughs> y'all got jokes. All right. See, here's the thing about zombies. I remember when zombies used to be slow, right? Anybody remember those times? I mean, when zombies, the flesh-eating zombies were like, eh. and I, you know, I'm thinking, I can beat you, you know? I, I don't care how, I mean, if you're going, eh. I, I am going to run that zombie.
Jesus says, no, I'm not going to be king. And him and his 12 disciples go across the Sea of Galilee to a little port town called Capernaum. And they, Jesus starts teaching in Capernaum. Well, what's interesting is all the people that got fed the day before, they hear that Jesus left and he went to this little town called Capernaum. So they all start going to Capernaum. And they're like, hey, Jesus, uh, you remember the entree you gave us yesterday? Uh, what about dessert? And they're wanting Jesus to feed them again. So Jesus is trying to teach and they're kind of goading him. Hey, let's give us some more of that food. Can, can you supersize it, right? So Jesus, being the master teacher, he takes this opportunity, a teaching opportunity, and he starts to give them an analogy. An analogy. And the analogy is this. You know what? You remember I gave you bread to eat yesterday, and everybody's like, yeah, it was really good. Okay, and you know how I gave you bread to eat, but you know, you're hungry again today? Well, let me give you something better than physical bread. I want to give you spiritual bread that you will never, ever hunger or thirst for ever again so jesus is giving this analogy and he begins to, he begins to compare himself to bread and he does this in john 6 48 and it says this bread of life this is interesting do you know in pretty much every culture we have bread i mean uh if uh you like mexican food you have Tortillas or nachos, right? Uh, if you are French, you, know, you like baguettes. Um, if uh, and that's as far as I go, so I'm going to stop right there. Anyway, because now I'm just getting hungry, and we just got to move on. All right, it says this: I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna, yet they died. Now, this word manna, um, this is where I was talking about where Jesus and Mo, excuse me, God and Moses fed the Israelites who were wandering, and the word manna literally means what is it? What it is? What is it? The, these cornflakes came down from heaven, and God made them come down, and they're like, dude, manna, what is it? And they're like, yeah, that's it, manna. All right, keep on going. Next verse. But here is bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. Next verse. I that came down from heaven, Jesus says. This is interesting. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. He says, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And here, everybody in the crowd is like going, no, you're not. You're, you're not the bread that came down from heaven. You didn't come down from heaven. We know who you are. And Jesus is giving an analogy. No, 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 listen. You remember how I said, I am the door you know, uh, uh, I am the sheep gate. Remember that? Well, I, it's an analogy. Work with me, people. But, but they're not working with him. I am the bread of life who came from heaven. And they're like, you didn't come from heaven. We know mom and dad. We know Mary. We know Joseph. <laughs> that Joseph isn't your real daddy. I mean, there's some tension in the crowd here. Because Jesus is comparing himself, and he's saying, I am the bread of life. And all of a sudden, there's tension, and then Jesus takes this analogy in his teaching a bit too far when he says this. And here it is. Here's the Edward Cullen moment. Whoever, what is it? Right? And there it is. Here's the vampire, there's the zombie moment in the Bible. Everyone know what the Bible says about vampires and zombies? It is in John 6, 54. No, but really, Jesus is saying, 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. Now, you and I, we kind of think, well, that's kind of gross. But, you know, we have seen some of the movies. We've seen Bela Lugosi. We've seen Twilight. Some of us admit it. Uh, We've seen some of those, right? But to them, who they were expecting something totally different, they're going, ooh, that's just gross. Now, again, to us, this makes perfect sense now. Because here's the thing, in a few years, they're going to gather in an upper room on Thursday night before Jesus is crucified, and Jesus is going to take this bread, and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat it and remember me. And, and this, is my, this is my blood that is poured out for you, the juice. I want you to drink it and remember me. And at this point, when he does it, they're all going, oh, I rem- now I remember. It was that whole zombie vampire moment. Now it makes total sense, but at this point, they don't have any of this context. And nobody knows what Jesus is talking about here. Nobody knows. They, 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 they kind of think maybe he's kind of went a little crazy. Keep on going. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up. I mean, even that, that's kind of a little weird, right? I will raise him up, right? I mean, it's just, it's kind of weird. Up at the last day. Now, at which point, I would think the moms in the crowd would be going, you know, grabbing their kids and like, come on, we're leaving. We're getting out of here, right? Because this just seems a little strange. In fact, try that on your friends. Anytime somebody, hey, you know, how do you get eternal life? Or, you know, how do you get to heaven? Well, watch it. It's easy. What you need to do is you need to take Jesus' flesh and then you need to eat it. And then take his blood and then you drink it and then you're good to go. And your friends would be going, I don't think I want to go to your church. Right? Because that's just, that's just a little weird. The crowd is thinking cannibalism. And, 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 and Jesus preach about it and they're all scratching their heads. And if they're kind of just... They're struggling with this. In fact, Jesus says this in verse 60. He says this. On hearing it, many of his followers said, this is a what? Hard teaching. Who can accept it? And that Greek word accept literally means who can embrace it? Uh, Who can go along with this? Who can be associated with this type of teaching? Uh, Why is this so incredibly difficult? I mean, if Jesus is going on about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, the, the 12 disciples, they're watching the crowd scratch their heads and kind of shake their heads, and they're all just kind of backing up. And the crowd is starting to leave. Now, here's what you need to understand. To the, to the disciples, the crowd was everything for two reasons. Number one, the disciples were kind of rock stars at this point. I mean, they're hanging out with Jesus. He just fed 5,000 people. They're wanting to make Jesus king. And if you're close to the king, guess what? That means you get some stuff. You get some positions, right? But even more important than that, the, 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 the crowd was really important to the disciples because they were the buffer zone between the angry religious people in the back of the room called Pharisees. See, the Pharisees hated Jesus. The Pharisees disliked Jesus so much, they're always trying to trap him. We're going to be looking at that next week. They're always trying to trap him, and they're trying to kill Jesus. And see, here's the thing. As long as Jesus was popular, then Jesus and the disciples were safe. Because with the crowds being, nobody's going to do something to somebody who's popular. But let me tell you, as soon as the popularity starts waning, as soon as the crowd starts leaving, you better watch out, Jack. 
because those Pharisees are coming for you. And see, just yesterday, the disciples, man, they were on the top of the world and everybody's wanting to make king and make Jesus king. And now they're following a crazy man. And the crowd is kind of turning on Jesus at this point, And the disciples, they recognize it. And I wonder if the disciples at this point kind of tapped on Jesus as he's speaking about, hey, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're like, excuse me, Jesus, can we talk for a sec? Excuse me, crowd, if you guys can wait here just a sec, we need to have a discussion. All right, technical difficulty. Hey, Matthew, come on here and tell some accountant and tax collector jokes. Okay, all right, Jesus, what you're doing isn't working. It's not working, all right? We're supposed to have a movement here, and, and movements are supposed to move, and everybody's retreating. I mean, what are, what are you doing? This, it ain't working. Why don't you tell one of your parables? Nobody understands those, but at least they're interesting, right? Or, or how about you feed them again? That's right, Jesus. Feed them again, and if you supersize it and add a drink with that and maybe one of those toys, I'm telling you, everybody will follow you again. Or, okay, what about this, Jesus? I remember you, you gave a sermon once about blessed are the cheesemakers and the peasemakers or something like that. Won't you tell them that one again, right, Jesus? Because what you're saying right now isn't working. And everybody's walking away. Everybody's moving away. Say something else. Let's move it on. The crowd is leaving. In verse 61, look at this. Jesus says this. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, because Jesus knew what everybody was thinking. That's kind of interesting, right? How would you like to hang out with that person? Right? Who always knew what you were thinking. Right? Some of us, you're like, never. Right? But that's Jesus. Aware of what they were thinking, Jesus said to them, does this what? Offend you. Does this trip you up? D does this make you wonder? Does this make you go, no. Does this, is this too heavy for you? Is this too hard? Is this too much? Does this make you begin to doubt? Does it make you reconsider? Uh, was this the right decision to so closely associate yourself with me? And once this sermon was over, John writes this in verse 66 from this time on from this time this was the transition point this was the pivot point from this time on many of the crowd turned back and no longer what followed him this was the end of the crowds in 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 the book of john this was the end of jesus's popularity suddenly it was about to get difficult and Jesus' 12 disciples knew that they were moving into a different stage and a different season of following Jesus. And they watched the crowd thin out. And they began thinking, you know what? Maybe this is the time that I need to bounce to. Maybe this is the time that I need to walk out as well. And maybe I should like get up and stretch. Ugh. And I should just kind of follow the crowd and maybe get behind one of the columns of the synagogue and maybe where nobody could see me and then I'm like, peace out. And then Jesus, who knew the hearts of men, who knew what everybody was thinking, listen, this is what Jesus says. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. You don't want to leave too, do you? They're so busted at this point, right? Because they're thinking, yeah, I kind of do want to leave. This is getting a little bit difficult. Because suddenly following Jesus is going to 
get difficult. And at this point forward, following Jesus was going to cost them something. From this point on, following Jesus wasn't going to be to their advantage. It wasn't going to serve them well. And I guarantee you, if you have been a Christian for longer than five years in this room, all of us have come to this point where we have had this crisis of belief. Well, we've had to ask this question, am I going to stay or am I going to go? Because sometimes following Jesus is difficult. And following Jesus will cost you something. Sometimes it's not going to serve you well anymore. It's going to cost you if you're a genuine, all-in follower of Jesus Christ. For some of you, it may have been your freshman year of college. And see, after that point, you grew up in the youth group. And it was fun. And it was awesome. And you went to camp. And you went to retreats. And everything was awesome because you were in the youth group. And then you got out of the youth group and you went to college. And all of the songs that you were singing in the youth group and all of the bands that you were listening to, you went to college and they had not heard of any of those people. Right? And they really didn't, frankly, care. And, 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 and you know you were getting up and going to church and nobody else was. And they're like, seriously, why don't you sleep in? Uh, are you going to let your parents kind of control you and rule you? Or, I mean, that's just, that's, that stuff's for old people. And it was then, that was your crisis of belief. And at that point, if I could superimpose this story onto your story, you heard Jesus saying, okay, do you want to leave too? Do you? If you were to be honest with yourself, you would probably say, yeah, I do, Jesus. Because you know what? Hanging out by myself in this dorm room every Friday and Saturday night is just no fun. It's no fun. Or maybe you're trying to be a Christian on your job. And you're going to be ethical, and you're going to be honest, and you're going to be one of those full disclosures. And and you're going to tell the truth, and you're going to prioritize your family over work. Because you're a Christian, and you're going to do it right. But you're working with a bunch of people who could care less what you believe. And you're in a job that would prefer you not to be a Christian. Because you're way too honest, and you're way too transparent, and you're making everybody else look a little too bad. And it isn't helping you to try to embrace all of these crazy things that Jesus has taught. And you have to live in the real world. I mean, don't you? I mean, I've heard so many businessmen and women saying, you know, that Christianity stuff is good on Sunday. But Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and definitely Friday, that's the real world. And if you live like Jesus tells you to live, you're going to be taken advantage of. You're going to go broke. You start to doubt. You start to think, am I just kidding myself? Am I just throwing away my career? Am I throwing away my life? Am I throwing away my future over something that it's invisible? I can't even see it. I mean, it happened a long time ago. My parents told me it was true, and I I haven't even done the investigation myself. I just assume that it's true. And suddenly, Jesus' story is your story, and you hear Jesus whispering, are you going to leave too? Or maybe for uh, some of you in here, it's, it's because you're in a really tough season of your marriage. You know, you've always been the type of person to stay in the marriage and stick it out and tough it out, surrender, submit, 
and love and, and, and all of that stuff. And you, you've taught classes on it. You watch videos on it. I mean, you've got the T-shirt. You've clapped when other people's marriages have been rescued. But now it's your marriage that needs to be rescued. And, you know, it would just be a whole lot easier if you just stopped believing all this Christianity stuff. And you just turned your back and you could chase whoever you wanted to chase and feel no guilt whatsoever because suddenly Christianity isn't making your marriage better. Christianity is just making you to stay in a tough one. A marriage with no spark, no romance, no feelings, and Christianity is just making you stay stuck in a bad marriage. And in the back of your mind, you hear Jesus saying, are you going to leave too? Are you, are you, are you going to walk out on me too? Are you going to leave when the times are tough? Are you going to walk out when the crowd is all gone because it's going to cost you something? And if you and I are really honest, all of us have been there. I have, and you have. And I think for all of us, there are seasons that it's going to cost us more than it actually serves us. For many of us, there are seasons when we're going to seem like we're giving a whole lot more out than we're actually getting. For some of us, there are seasons where it's going to be Christianity is more of a hassle than a help. If I'm really going to be a follower of Jesus. And that story from way back in your past, how God moved mightily and he did a miracle and you saw it and God did something and he saved that, man, that's long gone. And the motions are way over. And now you're just in it because you know God wants you to do it and the Bible says and Christianity does and Jesus says and you're like, I'm just going to do it and you're real not very happy about it. And Jesus is looking at you and looking at me this morning and saying, you know what, are you going to walk out to? That's your moment. This is your moment. It's one of many moments, perhaps, where Jesus says, are you going to leave me? This is why I love the Bible, because here's the cool thing about the Bible. <laughs> if, if this was just written by people, we wouldn't have included this story. Because if I'm going to include something about me, you better believe I'm going to put myself in a good light. Right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You married. When you argue, you ain't never done nothing wrong. But let's, seriously, right? Is anybody else hearing me? Mm-hmm. You're like, I really don't want to hear you, but I'm hearing you. Right? Because, but see, the, this is not just written by men because it's God moving men, and they're including a story in here that doesn't really make them look that great. Because at, all, at this point, all 12 are like, I think I just want to bounce. I do. And they would love to, but everybody's gone, and it's just kind of just the 12, and there's Barnabas, and there's Andrew, and there's Peter, there's James, and there's John, and Nathaniel, and they're all just kind of sitting there, and Jesus is asking a very penetrating question. Are you going to leave too? And at this point, Peter. Y'all remember Peter, don't you? Peter, who had nothing to say, always opened his mouth and said something. Right? Peter, who always opened his mouth, insert foot, that type of Peter, the fisherman. Peter says something brilliant that'll blow your mind. Peter, at this point, says something 
that is so clarifying. He asks a question that is so clarifying that I hope and I pray that it, it, when all of us, when we struggle in this time of this crisis of belief and we're so tempted to walk away from Jesus, I pray that you will remember G- Peter's question here because it is a game changer. It's such a clarifying question that even though you have all of these other questions and, you have, and you're struggling with God right now, Peter asked a question that will blow your mind. And here's what Peter says. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Jesus asked the question, hey, you don't want to go to, do you? Are you thinking about leaving? And they're all thinking, well, yeah, I kind of was. You know, what you're saying, is it fun? It is, I don't really like it. It's very uncomfortable. I'm kind of wanting to kind of just blend in with the crowd and disappear. But Jesus, seriously, where would we go? Where would we go? Jesus, I know that if I walk away from you is to walk towards something or someone else. And as focused as I am on these questions, as focused I am on just just all of the stuff that you're saying right now that I don't really like, to refuse to follow you is to opt to follow something or someone else. Here's our big idea today. To walk away from Jesus is to walk towards something or someone else. Can you say that with me this morning? To walk away from Jesus is to walk towards something or someone else. One more time. To is to something or someone else. You see, Peter realized something in that moment by asking this very clarifying question, to whom shall I go? I mean, Peter's saying, I've been around long enough to know, seriously, Jesus, to whom shall we go? In fact, here's this question. It's going to be on the screen. Can we say this together? To whom Say it one more time. This is the question you need to ask when all of the why questions and God, why come you didn't do this? And God, I prayed and you didn't answer this prayer. And God, when I said this and this person left me and this person walked out and you didn't do this for me. I mean, when you have all of those unanswered questions, those are questions, I get it. But this really is the bottom line question. To whom shall I go? Jesus? To whom shall I go? Are you thinking about leaving me too? See, the question isn't all of the other questions. The question isn't, well, if you would have sorted this thing out, if you would explain this to me. The question isn't, Jesus, if you would show up and you would tell me how this is all going to work out. Those are good questions. Those aren't the question. The question is, if not Jesus, then who? If not Christianity, then what? If not you, than who? Because you and I are crazy to think that by backing away from Jesus, that we're not going to run into something in someone else. We will follow someone. You will follow something. And you will trade this, this culture and this mindset for another culture and another mindset. And before you do, you better ask this question. Let me tell you, there was a time in my life when I thought I had God figured out. 
And I thought, you know what, if I acted this certain way and if I obeyed God and if I was a good person, then you know what, God would come through for me. And there was a time in my life that God did not come through for me. And I was just angry at God. I was ticked. God, you said if I, if I loved and if I acted this way, then things were going to be okay. But they're not okay. And I was tempted to walk away. And let me tell you, you will be tempted to walk away as well. The question we have to ask in that moment, where am I going to go? Who am I going to follow? If it's not you, then who? So our stories are so similar. You know, we've baptized over 400 people over the past almost eight years here at One Church. And one of the things that we hear, story after story after story. You know, I used to go to church, and I grew up, and, and then I just, something happened, and I walked away, and it didn't work out for me. And uh, I just kind of was doing my own thing. But, you know, someone invited me to church, and I showed up, and, man, God got a hold of my life, and I, got, I began a relationship with Jesus. I can't tell you the hundreds of times I've heard that story. And let me tell you, we didn't get a bunch of people together and say, okay, you need to say this, then you need to say this, and then you need to say this, right? Okay, good. We didn't do that. Because this is all of our stories. All of us have been tempted to walk away. All of us have been tempted to say, you know what? I didn't like it, and it didn't serve me well, and Christianity exactly wasn't what I thought, and I, didn't think, I thought Jesus was always going to act this way, but he didn't. But listen to what Peter continues to say in this next verse. He says this. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Peter recognized that if I back away from you, then that means I'm inadvertently running to something or someone else. And if I choose to say no to you, I'm actually saying yes to something else. So I've just, I've done a quick evaluation, Jesus. I had a quick timeout, TV timeout, and I've considered all the options and no, Jesus, I don't like what you're saying. No, Jesus, I don't like where you're heading. And Jesus, yes, I do want to go. I do. And no, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out and I still have some unanswered questions, but let me tell you, you're the only person who I know who has eternal life. Let me tell you, some of you, eternal life may not be that big of a deal now, one day it will be. One day you're going to be going, man, what did that preacher say? Really? What? And, I mean, it's going to be a big deal one day. And Peter, at this point, realizes, you know what? I can follow somebody else, and you know what? They may have a better 401k plan. You know, they may, it may be easier. They may be smarter. They may can offer more. But they don't have this. They don't have this. No one else can give me eternal life. No one else can bring meaning and purpose to this life. No one else has brought meaning and riches to my life. Life here and life eternally. And then Peter closes it this way. Last verse. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. In other words, Jesus, you've ruined us. We've seen too much. We've seen too many lives changed. We've seen too many people, you capture their hearts. 
We've seen too many people go from death to life. We've seen too many addicts get free. We've seen too many marriages saved. We've seen too... You've ruined us. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, as I close, let me just condense all this down to two statements. First one is this. Don't focus exclusively on the questions. Let me tell you, all of us have questions. I have never met a person who said, you know what, I became a Christian and I got all of my questions answered. Has anybody that ever happened to? And you would be lying. Right? You would. And I've never heard, heard this. You know what, N- neither have I met a Christian that says, now that I'm a Christian, then all of my questions are answered. Here's what I know. I got some of my questions answered. There are some questions that I still don't know the answer to. Some of you, you, you have, you see the interact with today's message, text your questions. I can give you some doozies that you can text me that we can play stump the chump. I got those questions that makes me go, I hope they don't ask that question. I got that. There are questions that I don't understand. There are parts of God's character that still blows my mind that I do not understand. But here's what I would encourage you to do. We all have questions, but don't allow your questions to question yourself out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because here's what I do know. You may not have the answers to your questions. Just because you don't know the answer doesn't mean that there isn't an answer. It just means you don't know it yet. At the end of the day, it's not just simply getting all of your questions answered. Because the next is you've got to consider the options. Consider the options. If Christianity is too hard, if it's too demanding, if it's too restricting, if it's too confining, if it's too difficult, if it's not serving you the way you want it to serve you, before you opt out and before you bail out, you better have an answer to this question. Whom will you serve? Whom will you go? Who will you worship? What will your mindset be? What worldview are you going to embrace? Who are you going to follow? Because if you stop following Jesus, you will follow something. Don't allow your unanswered questions to blind you to the fact that when you walk away from Jesus, you will walk towards something or someone else. All of us are tempted to walk away. Do you know that? All of us are tempted to walk away in three seasons of life. Transitions. Some of you, when you transfer, when, when, when you when he had that transition from middle school to high school, that was a big one. For some of you, you could say, yeah, that's when I walked away from God. Or many of you, when you transition from high school to college, that's a big one. And now it's not just your parents' faith, but now it's your faith. And are you going to wake up? And are you going to do what you say you believe in? For some of you, it's the transition when you leave college to go into the real world. Or when you transition into your first marriage. Or, heavens forbid, transition into your first child. And it's in these series of transitions that we have a tendency and, and to walk away from God. We do. For others, you know what? Another area where we're, we're tempted to walk away from God is during times of trial and trouble. It's where it's just too hard. It may be a sickness. It may be a season of marriage, a season of parenting. And we think, God, you're not answering my prayer. This has been where I've been at. God, I, I, I did 
the way you wanted me to do it. And God, I've prayed and I've asked you to fix it and you're not coming through for me. You're not being too good to me right now. So I think I'm just tempted to walk away. When we ask those, God, why did this happen and why did this happen? You've heard me say this before. Asking why questions are never healthy. Why questions just get us stuck. You see, if you ask, if you, if you ask God, why did she have to die? Why did my marriage had to have, have to fall apart? If Jesus showed up, number one, and gave you the answer to that why question, it would just lead you to another why question. There's a better question to ask, and it doesn't begin with why, but it begins with who. To whom will you believe? To whom shall you go? When times are difficult, they, they get difficult for all of us. To whom shall you go? And the third area that we're tempted to walk away from God and Jesus Christ is during times of temptation where we just want to follow after and we want to do whatever we want to and, and we want to have that next tie, we want to have that next sexual conquest, we want to have all of that. But here, before you walk away, let me ask you a question. Is that next party, is that ne- next drunk fest, is that next thing that you're going to do, is it going to bring you eternal life? Because Jesus, it's only eternal life. Only with Jesus. For some of you, I get it. It's difficult. I've been there. And you thought God was this way and he's actually a different way. And I can't comprehend him. And I can't. Before you walk away, ask yourself, to whom shall I go? Am I going to follow you? Am I going to decide to follow you, Jesus Christ? Or am I just going to follow after him, her, or this worldview? Ask yourself that question. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that salvation is free. Lord, it cost us nothing. Lord, we know that following you is going to cost us, Jesus, the Lord, but not following you just might cost us everything. And God, I pray for us in here today. Lord, with all of our kids sitting around and all of them hanging out with us, Lord, I pray that we would be men and women who could say what Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow hard after Jesus. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. I don't even have all of my questions answered. But Jesus, it is today. I follow you. There is no turning back. I follow you, Jesus Christ. I have decided back then, just like I have decided today, Lord, I follow you. Lord, I choose not to turn back. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.